0: Section 11. Of History of Henry the Fourth, King of France and Navarre by John Stevens Cabot Abbot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5. Massacre of St. Bartholomew. Part 1. As the solemn dirge from the steeple rang out upon the night air, the king stood at the window of the palace trembling in every nerve hardly had the first tones of the alarm bell fallen upon his ear when the report of a musket was heard and the first victim fell the sound seemed to animate to fury the demoniac Catherine. while it almost froze the blood in the veins of the young monarch and he passionately called out for the massacre to be stopped it was too late the train was fired and could not be extinguished the signal passed with the rapidity of a sound from steeple to steeple till not only paris but entire france was roused the roar of human passion the crackling fire of musketry and the shrieks of the wounded and the dying rose and blended in one fearful din throughout the whole metropolis. guns pistols daggers were everywhere busy old men terrified maidens helpless infants venerable matrons were alike smitten and mercy had no appeal which could touch the heart of the murderers the wounded admiral coligny was lying helpless upon his bed surrounded by a few personal friends as the uproar of the rising storm of human violence and rage rolled in upon their ears the duke of guise with three hundred soldiers hastened to the lodgings of the admiral the gates were immediately knocked down and the sentinels stabbed a servant greatly terrified rushed into the inner apartment where the wounded admiral was lying and exclaimed the house is forced and there is no means of resisting i have long since said the admiral calmly prepared myself to die save yourselves my friends if you can for you cannot defend my life i commend my soul to the mercy of god The companions of the admiral, having no possible means of protection, and perhaps adding to his peril by their presence, immediately fled to other apartments of the house. They were pursued and stabbed. Three leaped from the windows and were shot in the streets. Coligny, left alone in his apartment, rose with difficulty from his bed, and being unable to stand, leaned for support against the wall a desperado by the name of brem a follower of the duke of guise with a congenial band of accomplices rushed into the room they saw a venerable man pale and with bandaged wounds in his night-dress engaged in prayer art thou the admiral demanded the assassin with brandished sword i am replied the admiral and thou young man shouldst respect my grey hairs nevertheless Thou canst abridge my life but a little. Brem plunged his sword into his bosom, and then withdrawing it, gave him a cut upon the head. The admiral fell calmly, saying, If I could but die by the hand of a gentleman instead of such a knave as this. The rest of the assassins then rushed upon him, piercing his body with their daggers. The Duke of Guise, ashamed himself to meet the eye of this noble victim to the basest treachery remained impatiently in the courtyard below brem he shouted looking up at the window have you done it yes brem exclaimed from the chamber he is done for let us see though rejoined the duke throw the body from the window the mangled corpse was immediately thrown down upon the pavement of the courtyard the duke with his handkerchief wiped the blood and dirt from his face and carefully scrutinized the features yes said he I recognize him he is the man then giving the pallid cheek a kick he exclaimed courage comrades we have happily begun let us now go for others the king commands it in sixteen years from this event the duke of guise was himself assassinated and received a kick in the face from henry the third brother of the same king in whose service he had drawn the dagger of the murderer thus died the admiral of coligny one of the noblest sons of france though but fifty-six years of age he was prematurely infirm from care and toil and suffering for three days the body was exposed to the insults of the populace and finally was hung up by the feet on a gibbet a cousin of coligny secretly caused it to be taken down and buried the tiger having once lapped his tongue in blood seems to be imbued with a new spirit of ferocity there is in man a similar temper, which is roused and stimulated by carnage. The excitement of human slaughter converts man into a demon. The riotous multitude of Parisians was becoming each moment more and more clamorous for blood. They broke open the houses of the Protestants and, rushing into their chambers, murdered indiscriminately both sexes and every age the streets resounded with the shouts of the assassins and the shrieks of their victims cries of kill kill more blood rent the air the bodies of the slain were thrown out of the windows into the streets and the pavements of the city were clotted with human gore charles who was overwhelmed with such compunctions of conscience when he heard the first shot and beheld from his window the commencement of the butchery soon recovered from his momentary wavering and conscious that it was too late to draw back with fiend-like eagerness engaged himself in the work of death the monarch when a boy had been noted for his sanguinary spirit delighting with his own hand to perform the revolting acts of the slaughter-house perfect fury seemed now to take possession of him his cheeks were flushed his lips compressed his eyes glared with frenzy bending eagerly from his window he shouted words of encouragement to the assassins Grasping a gun in the handling of which he had become very skilful from long practice in the chase, he watched like a sportsman for his prey, and when he saw an unfortunate Protestant, wounded and bleeding, flying from his pursuers, he would take deliberate aim from the window of his palace and shout with exultation as he saw him fall, pierced by his bullet a crowd of fugitives rushed into the courtyard of the louvre to throw themselves upon the protection of the king charles sent his own bodyguard into the yard with guns and daggers to butcher them all and the pavements of the palace-yard were drenched with their blood just before the carnage commenced marguerite weary with excitement and the agitating conversation to which she had so long been listening retired to her private apartment for sleep she had hardly closed her eyes when the fearful outcries of the pursuers and the pursued filled the palace she sprang up in her bed and heard someone struggling at the door and shrieking navarre navarre in a paroxysm of terror she ordered an attendant to open the door one of her husband's retinue instantly rushed in covered with wounds and blood pursued by four soldiers of her brother's guard the captain of the guard entered at the same moment and at the earnest entreaty of the princess spared her the anguish of seeing the friend of her husband murdered before her eyes marguerite half delirious with bewilderment and terror fled from her room to seek the apartment of her sister the palace was filled with uproar the shouts of the assassins and the shrieks of their victims blending in awful confusion as she was rushing through the hall she encountered another protestant gentleman flying before the dripping sword of his pursuer he was covered with blood flowing from the many wounds he had already received. Just as he reached the young queen of Navarre, his pursuer overtook him and plunged a sword through his body. He fell dead at her feet. End of section 11.